Hello and welcome to Pride in the Name of Love, a four-part feature from WEXT highlighting queer musicians in our local 518 community. Each episode is an unadulterated look at identity as told by the artist in a unique and intimate storytelling experience. Today's episode will feature singer-songwriter Om Quilio, a locally-based independent folk musician who returns to making music after a hiatus of self-healing. Grab a seat and join us as Ohm performs their song, Oklahoma, and shares their story of healing through both music and identity. door to my soul in Oklahoma Driving around those sun-dried plains living with my grandma time 
The song I just performed is called Oklahoma, which is the state I was born in, in this country. I was born two months premature at the end of August in 1990. Um, and from what I can understand, preemie units, that kind of, you know, NICU, uh, neonatal care was sort of just at the ability to care for someone that was born as early as I. So I was incubated for the first six weeks of my life. And as a little kid, I, I always knew that because I was born two months before I was supposed to be born, quote unquote, that I chose my date of birth. I was very attached to numbers, not even attached, just numbers speak to me. Lots of things speak to me or I have an ear for lots of things. Um, so I've been on whoo, a bit of a spiritual journey for the past eight years, decade, through my experience with songwriting especially, and um, my experience as a child living in upstate New York and being from Oklahoma in that I was born there, my mom's family was still there, we lived there for a bit when I was a young kid, there was such a stigma already about the South and the Midwest and what people from there were like automatically. I lived in Oklahoma for a few months with my grandmother. I decided to in 2015. A tornado had run through her town, Moore, Oklahoma, and she had ended up outside on a neighbor's porch while it was happening. And she, um, she watched her neighborhood kind of get tore apart, and it was tragic. I was singing for old folks, being a music therapist in nursing homes at the time, and I thought, how am I singing for everybody else's grandparents? and on my own. <laughs> so I went down there to live with her and be with her, take care of her. And it was only um, in the last couple of years that I was able to collect all of the memories and deep feelings that I picked up on and collected there for my lifetime. That I was from this land, that I chose to be born here. Um, it's very emotional for me. So that's what that song is about. Uh, the, the bridge in particular. Um, I run the fields of hay, um, and in between the rows, you know, the country, the land, the dirt in Oklahoma is red clay. And it's like, yeah, I put my hands back in the clay. He's like, that's me. That's all of us. And it's a huge, that connection with Oklahoma just really bridged this huge canyon that I thought was a river, but it was really a canyon in me that had always felt that my gender identity and that my identity period felt totally based in, in a natural state of being outside of the binary that this world operates through because you know natural things elemental things doesn't work on a binary you know if i had known that non-binary existed <laughs> 
uh, when I was, you know, even nine years old, I would have been telling people that long that I was non-binary. The concept, I think, maybe would have eluded my parents and maybe still does. I'm not really concerned so much with the eluding of the concept, um, but I'd always felt incredibly confused as a young lady. I didn't dislike wearing dresses. I also didn't dislike wearing pants. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's a simple thing, right? That's sort of like the very furthest reach outside physical, you know, right? Gender is the clothes you wear, uh, the hairstyle you have, the way your voice is, you know, whatever. It's it's so interesting. And I don't think of my gender identity. I don't think of gender identity, first of all, for the people listening. Gender identity and sexual orientation are two completely different things. Um, we've conflated them to be two. So I was always very confused in that, like, you know, I was always thinking, I'm not a lesbian. Very much attracted to boys, mask-presenting folks. Um, but I came across some... <laughs> some articles about pansexuality and decided to do a project on it in like my junior or senior year of high school. And I just thought the concept was like, well, duh, like it wouldn't matter who's, what anybody has going on below the navel. Um, as long as I really loved their soul, no matter what they decided to do with their body, you know, that concept seemed totally just the most relevant. So I kind of quietly just sort of tucked that away. And that was probably my late teen years. If anybody's wondering about the name choice Ohm, Ohm was the best way I could honor the place that I came from, the people that I came from, and the person that I was always going to become, um, because my name truly was always Ohm, O-M-Q. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the legal documents are in hand and in tow, and I, it will not be my taxable name, Olivia Marie, for much longer. Um, but Ohm, you know, really, it was more just like of a lateral move, pretty close by, because I never felt that, like, I was ever anything but non-binary, but other people, it's easy to identify me as a, a straight, cishet, white woman. That is what I look like. I imagine that I'll look like that, you know, to a lot of people for a long time. So what else I'll say about that is that I believe gender identity is a conversation. That's what I'd want to talk about. I think the binary is incredibly toxic. You know, I always ended up with toxic narratives about myself and contorted ideas of who I'm here to be when looking through the lens of the binary, which is why I'm a non-binary person. That's it. You know, I will wear heels and also men's shoes. You know, I just find all these things to be so arbitrary. Like uh, when, when people pose questions like, well, if your husband was wearing heels, would you be upset or something? And it's like, it's hardly about that for me. Um, you know, I believe I came from the sky in a very specific way. I'm just here to embody that energy in this human body. Um, so yeah, I, I felt really betrayed when I realized that I could have been naming myself this way the whole time. I had to forgive myself because I was, I didn't know. And I didn't feel like I was allowed to, which was the most heartbreaking part. I'd, I'd really, at my core, didn't feel like I was allowed to be anything but a pretty little girl. And, you know, that pissed me off. That pissed me off. But it was only going to be me that chose my autonomy in this situation. Nobody to blame. Um, it wasn't like everybody was saying, like, obviously, uh, <laughs> being a woman in this world has its nuances in very negative ways. And I experienced those as a quote-unquote woman in the music industry. And I as assume 
you know, that I will continue to experience them as a queer person. That's part of the reason why I'm OM now and it's all different. It's like, what's the reason for that? It's like, well, there's a whole, there's a whole new awareness I'd like you to have about who I am because I have a whole new awareness about who I am. I think my identity as an artist is my identity as a non-binary person. I think they're one and the same. I used to sort of think of myself as a person who creates songs, but if I'm being honest about me being at peace and me being balanced, is that like the songs have to happen. And the songs are created through the inner working of me understanding more compassionately who I am and what I really see, you know, as opposed to what other people want me to be seeing for them. Um, <laughs> when I was in college, I was in, I went to SUNY Potsdam for a couple of years and I was a classically, vocally classically trained person in high school. I tried to go the more like academic collegiate music route to qualify myself as a musician. And then I realized that's what I was doing, trying to qualify myself as a musician. I didn't need a degree to qualify me. So I dropped out because so I was still going to do songwriting anyway. And, um, I became very mercilessly mentally ill in college. I would call it anxiety disorder or something, just like unable to truly function. And I stopped being able to write songs at the same juncture of time, at the same exact intersection. And I understood as, a, as I got better, as I came home and dropped out and started playing gigs everywhere, I understood that me playing music and me writing songs, that's like me breathing. If I'm not doing that, then I'm not going to stay alive. And I committed to that really fully. So as I as I changed, as I realized that Olivia Quilio wasn't the truest expression, and because of that, there was a bunch of filters on my songwriting portal, so to speak, lens of like you know appealing to a songwriting world that wanted to hear so much about her falling in love with him and all these things. No, I don't think that you know I was using those curtains on my windows in an extreme way. I think I was still, there was a really big, genuine, original part of me that had always been coming through. But I had to continue to keep being honest. And the more honest I got, there were more things that I wanted to say. And when I have stuff to say, it comes first through song. So I'd say, yeah, my queer identity is my artist identity is my identity. You know, this world is so focused on sexuality which how could it not be? I mean, you know, it's up front. It's, it's there. <laughs> uh, and, and that rules the world, the focus on sexuality. You know, if we can keep the majority of people assigned to two places, this or that, that or this, that's the binary, y'all. I'm not, I'm not saying that if you identify as a man that you shouldn't feel absolutely fucking wonderful about that. Wonderful, wonderful. Go on ahead. I didn't know how to feel wonderful as a woman because I just didn't, I don't, don't identify with that fully. So the way I identified with queerness for the most part is that I am queer. I'm strange. I don't fit. I look like I should fit, which is a, a mind throw for a lot of folks. I look like I should just fit so easily and right here and it should be no problems. There should be no complaining from me, but... I've been getting these messages like this my whole life. I have this psychic experience and like, I'm queer in that way. You know, I'm strange. And I don't think that we think about queerness that way anymore. Here's the thing. It's like, 
I hope that y'all are listening. If you've listened to me before, um, you'll take me seriously when I say that this part has been really hard for me. You know, I recognize that there was a way that I already sort of was attractive to listeners and music consumers in this area as just as a smaller version of myself. I was already good. Like I didn't need to make it complicated and let them know who I actually was. But I'd be doing a very great disservice for myself and for uh, my community, you know, which is, for one, the human community. <laughs> for two, sure, the queer community, my fellow queer people. But I really do think about my, I'm a human's human is how I think about it. I think about all types of people all the time. Everybody deserves love, satisfaction. So, um, yeah, this has been really difficult. Um, I'm not booking near half the amount of shows that I've had. I've been very honest with folks through the internet about the healing experience that I've had to go through. And it's not synonymous necessarily with my queerness. It's just, I had a rough life that I blocked out as a young person. And upon waking up to it um, and sharing these truths, uh, I continued to experience disrespect for my family. So I chose to walk away from them. I chose to walk away from anybody that disrespected me. And a lot that used to support me here doesn't look at me anymore. That's what I'll say. And a lot of people have questioned my identity directly to my face. Or just, like, seriously, like, don't talk to me, unfollow me. Um, and I, that shows me where those folks are at. You know, it's very strange. Um, but what's strangest and most really messed up about it is that I do feel that if I was still just identifying as Olivia, I wouldn't be experiencing that. So um, you can find me on Linktree. Um, there's a YouTube channel that's getting launched in the next few weeks, as well as a brand new website. For the most part, y'all, I am outsourcing my gigs and that kind of information through Instagram and through the Linktree. But yeah, that's, you know, basically a good old Google never, never hurts either. O-M-Q-U-I-L-L-I-O. I imagine that will be a website soon, um, but... Thank you to every single person that's helped me. And like, it's just ohm now. I hope that you can hang. I'm trying to hang. I'm trying to share my music. I'll be doing so across the world and the U.S. as well as here. I just wanted to touch down here before that happens. You've been listening to Pride in the Name of Love, a four-part feature from WEXT highlighting queer musicians in our local 518 community. Check out other episodes on our website, wextradio.org. Episode 4 features Ryan Leddick, an indie folk artist who is currently crowdfunding his next project, I'll See You in the End. Pride in the Name of Love is a production of WEXT Radio, a service of WMHT, which is made possible by listeners like you and produced by Jennifer Rose.